Stuart is, uh, our pastor Stuart is in the class that I'm normally with, with our pastor, as he's developing young leaders, and we're doing a lot of systematic theology and teaching in there, and he has guest speakers, so Stuart's got the topic tonight over there, so I'm pinch-hitting over here. I'm no stranger to this crowd, so we should be okay, but if you, if you get up and leave, I'm not offended at all. It doesn't bother me a bit. Also, Stuart Pastor will, um, next week, he'll start the book of Hosea. It will take you a week to find it, so I'm just giving you advance notice. <laughs> what I want to do tonight is talk to you uh, through the Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, about how to deal with fear and how to deal with panic. Because if we've had enough stuff to deal with, we have. We've had floods, hurricanes uh, that almost impacted a Category 5 here. It missed us a little bit. We were laughing in staff meeting today because our pastor decided to go back to Austin when he heard that the thing was headed this way. We all stayed here, by the way. I just want you to know. But the little updates he was given was from Austin, Texas, not Houston, Texas. Just a little insight there. Um, But anyway, we've had a lot of things to deal with. So I want to talk to you about this subject. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. Don't stress, but rest. Don't go into panic, fear, or the panic room. Let me give you an example. I went home for a late, uh, at lunchtime I texted my wife, and I'll just tell you, I'm, she, she's probably watching this, but I just wanna give you the exchange that we had, <laughs> just so I can enjoy my last sermon at Sagemont. I said, I'm going to study. This was after the staff meeting at 11, and I'm going to skip lunch and come home for an early dinner. I can eat another burger because we had burgers last night. And so her response was, make sure you bring the lizard catcher skills home. I just found a big one in the spare bedroom uh, behind the chair. So here's a place of rest. Our spare bedroom is one of those places that's like a cave. It's like a hiding place. If you want to get on an antique bed and take a good nap, it's one of those hard mattresses, and you can just lock yourself up in that room and uh, build a bunker, if you will. It's kind of like a place of rest. But it is no longer a place of rest. Because when I came home, she had a... uh, a bowl for me, a, a bowl of plastic, it was a plastic bowl, and she had a paper plate that fit exactly over the hole on the bowl, and she met me at the door, and we both walked up and with me with a flashlight, and we walked up to the room, and she says, that's where he was last seen. So I got my flashlight, and I looked everywhere, and I could not find him, but I was ready. I'm the lizard catcher. I've done this before. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not fearful of that. She is fearful of that. So what, has be, what was a bedroom of rest and peace and tranquility is now a panic room. It is, and, and, and the people that it will buy the house at some other point will enjoy this room, but we never will be able to go back into that room because fear has set in. And most of us as believers, we live in a panic room. We live with fear. And Psalm 23 is a psalm that David penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And David was known for going into a panic room. Many of the psalms that he wrote, he wrote on the run. 
He was hiding in caves. He was hiding from King Saul. He was hiding from his own son. He was oftentimes on the run. He lived oftentimes in a panic room. But the thing I love about David is his faith was up and his faith was down. His faith was up and down all the time. So you can read the Psalms and they can read you because you will see yourself in the Psalms. It's like a roller coaster. But as he wrote Psalm 23, which is not a Psalm of death that we preach at funerals, it's a Psalm about life. And so I wanna encourage you from the word tonight through Psalm 23. So if you'll turn there, Psalm 23, and I'm titling this, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just rest. And rest doesn't mean get in a bed and pull the covers over and never wake up. Rest means to be in a position and a place where you don't stress because you know you have a shepherd that knows what's ahead of you. You've already seen in the rear view mirror what's behind you. He surrounded you on all sides in this psalm. That's what David said. And because of your shepherd, you can rest. You see, sheep are not trained. Sheep learn to trust. And this is written from a sheep's perspective. And so let's look at what David pens under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father, we come just bowing before your word, trusting you. I, I didn't write this. No one in this room wrote this. This is your inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. And it is applicable in this moment. And no one here is by accident tonight. It is on purpose that we're here to hear this. I pray that you would speak to me and through me and that my voice would be your voice tonight as you speak truth to us. Get rid of anything that is not of you and let everything be of you. And so I surrender in humility to your word, to you. I trust that you give the strength and the power that I would never have in my own flesh. And I know that. And I pray that we could just bow before you tonight, learn to rest and learn to trust and learn an abundance of what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm gonna read through it all. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not in, notice the text, it's through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table, look at the imagery here, before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's God's word, and that's God's word to you. Look at the text. Look at this beautiful picture of imagery of a shepherd leading his sheep and the sheep responding to the shepherd. So one of the things that you have to begin with is this question. Are you gonna shepherd your life? You need to answer that. Are you gonna shepherd your life 
or is the Lord going to shepherd your life? Because if you shepherd your, if you determine tonight that you're going to be the shepherd of your life, you don't know what's coming bef- uh, before you. He does. So you can live in panic and fear, and you can even build a house and put in a bunker room and look at the movie The Panic Room to see what happens there where you don't go outside this bunker because it's a bunker of safety. So you can do that, or you can learn to trust, as sheep do, that there's a shepherd who leads me. See, the bottom line is, a lot of times people shepherd us rather than the Lord. People shepherd us. We listen to way too much advice from people. We listen to way too much advice from people. And so we let people shepherd us. And so people tell us how to live in this world of fear and panic, and we actually follow their advice. Now, just because someone goes to church and someone carries a Bible and someone says they're spiritual, it doesn't mean that they're spiritual and they're giving you godly advice. You are always supposed to seek godly counsel. The Bible says that, but it never says to follow the people that give you the counsel. It always says to follow the Lord. You follow God. So when I get godly counsel from people that help maybe guide me, they're not my shepherd, they guide me into some decision makings. I listen to the voice of God. Maybe God speaks through them to me, but I never follow them. I always follow the shepherd. So you have to decide which voice you're going to listen to tonight. Your choice for the voice that you're going to listen to depends on who is shepherding you. If you can say the Lord is your shepherd, then you can say the shepherd is your Lord. That's salvation. That's trusting in the Lord is my shepherd. David, who lived in panic and fear and hiding in caves and running from people, said, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you take the word shepherd, it's a huge meaning. In the New Testament, Jesus is our shepherd, all right? So the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd, is the Jesus of the New Testament. Jesus is referred to as our shepherd. In John 10, 10, he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one who gave his life for us. So the good shepherd is the one who gives his life for us. He paid for the penalty of sin. So Jesus is called the good shepherd. He's also called um, the chief shepherd. And he's also called um, one who leads us and guides us. So, so sheep listen to the voice of their shepherd. They, they learn to trust. Sheep cannot be trained. Sheep have to be familiar with the shepherd's voice. So the Lord is my shepherd. Now, the root of all worry and fear is when you try to play God in your life. The root of all worry and fear is when you and I play God in our lives. When we think and have the audacity to think that we have the ability to shepherd our lives. How many times have you followed your instincts? That's what sheep do. Can I tell you what sheep do? They follow their instincts right off a cliff. That's what they do. We are referred to as sheep in scripture. So you can't say, I'm just going to follow my instincts. If you do, you'll find yourself going off a cliff. You follow the Lord. You have to become familiar with his voice. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. 
And so we see that, that the Lord is my shepherd. So when you come to this psalm, David drives a stake home and he personalizes this and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And here's what he says, I shall not want. Now watch this, because the Lord is my shepherd, because the Lord is leading me, because he's guiding me, because he's making me lie down in green pastures, he has the ability to do in my life whatever he chooses to do. And I as a sheep learn to depend upon him. I used to depend on people for guidance, now I depend on the Lord for guidance because he is shepherding me. And a shepherd is one that goes before the sheep. He doesn't prod the sheep from behind, he goes before the sheep, he prepares places for them to lay so that they can come. So when they come to the place that's been prepared for them, the shepherd has already been there. Here's what I want to say to you. Our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, has already been everywhere that you and I will ever be. He knows everything. He loves us with a passionate love. He shepherds us. And so when I hear people say, read the next book on leadership, which I hear often, I want to say, well, what is your definition of a leader? And they'll give you all these things about a leader. Let me tell you what. We should not lead our lives. We should not shepherd our lives. Leadership is followship. Sheep learn to follow the shepherd. We follow the Lord. So in your life, if you decide to shepherd your own life, not only do you not know what's ahead, but you're gonna go off a cliff because you're following your instincts and you're following you. You don't have the ability. When you follow him, you pay attention to his voice. You listen to his voice and you understand what he's doing. And David says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because he is my shepherd, guess what? All of my needs are met in him, all of them. If you actually tear this down in the original language, it means this, the Lord is my shepherd, I already have everything that I need. He's already provided everything for me. I don't need anything else other than him. I don't need to go to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so I can repaste or repost something that somebody else gave me when I can hear the voice of my shepherd and he can speak to me myself. I don't even need a devotional book that somebody else wrote to tell me what they got from God so when I read it, what I get is secondhand information and then that word speaks to me. Guess what? I can go straight to my shepherd. And I'm not saying don't use a devotional book. But for some of you, you may be tied to a devotional book. The best thing is to be tied to the shepherd who leads and loves. The Lord is my shepherd. I already have everything that I want. Think about that. Because what will happen is life will ding you. It will ding you. I was coming back probably about six months ago from my dad's house. And I saw, I had uh, everything on my phone and the directions and I looked at the weather because things looked a little green off to the left. And I was headed down 45 and I was getting around that spaghetti loop somewhere, I don't know if it's I-10 or something that crosses over and all of a sudden it started hailing like really hard. Now I'm in a 1998 truck and the first thing that comes to my mind is I have no uh, hail insurance. I have no, I don't have comprehensive, I just carry liability. So I park conveniently, the wind's blowing, I am safely under the the overpass, and I am totally protected, and I'm the only car there, and I don't care what it looks like. 
And all of a sudden, the wind began to shift. And when the wind shifted, I had to maneuver a little further in to be able to be protected from the hailstones. And then what happened is people began to see what I was doing and they followed the leader. And so people began to come behind me and in front of me and then they began to maneuver. The problem was I didn't have much space in the place anymore. And so there's nothing like in a hailstorm getting pinned in when you don't have hail insurance and you have no place to go. Here's what I'm telling you that David is saying. When life pins you in, when life deems you, when you go through tough times and storms and difficulties and caves and hiding places and panics and all that, you can still say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything because he is my provision. He's everything. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And so here's what he says here. You have to establish that in verse one. That's the picture. Now look at what this shepherd does. The one who leads us, the one who is shepherding my heart, the the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the Lord, is the Jesus of the New Testament. And so the good shepherd, he died for me. So I understand that. Then Jesus rose for me. And then the chief shepherd is coming back for me. So I have all of the ministry of Jesus is really wrapped up in the Lord is my shepherd. So you can see that in John 10, 10, Hebrews 13, 20, and 1 Peter 5, 4. Um, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd. So all of the ministry of Jesus is really wrapped up in the Lord is my shepherd. You understand that? So he died for me. He rose for me as the good shepherd, and he's coming back for me as the chief shepherd. So there's nothing that I need or nothing that I want because all the ministry of Jesus is wrapped up in him. It's wrapped up in a relationship. Now watch this. Verse 2. Because he is so sovereign and he is so in control and he's the Lord of my life, Look what it says. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So this shepherd who loves me so much and loves you so much and doesn't want us to live in a panic room, in a room that's closed in with fear, with a a plastic bowl and and a paper plate trying to lift out our lives in fear, he wants us to be able to receive Verse two, that which he has for us. So here's what I would say in verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The idea of the green pastures in this day would be the fresh shoots that come out of a pasture. Out of some some dry land, there would be some green shoots that would come up. It would be an oasis of vegetation, if you will. And so the Lord is my shepherd as he's leading me and as he's guiding me, he's also making me do something. Because our tendency is to run right through the green pastures and miss what God has for us. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've run right through the green pasture that God had for you and you didn't sit down long enough to receive the blessing from the blessor who wanted you to lie down in the green pasture face down to remember him and remember what he wanted to give you in that moment. He wants to bless us, so he makes us lie down because he knows that we're gonna trot right through those pastures and we're not gonna give any acknowledgement or dependency to him sometimes because we oftentimes run our own lives. He makes us lie down. It's a good thing when God makes us lie down. The idea and the imagery is one of force. 
because he wants to bless us. And he wants us to pay attention to him. And he wants us to slow down. He wants us to take a slow down class so that we can see what he's doing in our lives. And some of us are running so fast and so furious and we've got this plate spinning and this plate spinning and that two plates spinning that we can't lie down in the green pastures. But listen, the green pastures are where the blessings are. And we can just spend time alone with him and enjoy who he is. So he makes us lie down in the green pastures. Look at the text. He leads me beside the still waters. That's what the text says. So these waters, sheep, they don't like raging waters. They don't like rushing waters. Sheep, what sheep do is they butt one another. And we're called sheep a lot of times. So we don't like to... We, we, we don't like the raging waters. We want to get to the still waters. But in order to get to the still waters, we have to first get to the still place. And when we get to the still place in our heart where God steadies and stills our heart, that's when we can experience the still waters. So, so he would lead, look at the text. The shepherd would make the sheep lie down in the cream pasture and he would lead them beside the still waters so that they could drink because he knew what was ahead of, of them. And so he would make them and then he would lead them. I want you to get the imagery, the force and the leadership of our shepherd. He knows what's best for us. See, if you shepherd your own life, you make choices based on your instincts. And our instincts stink. They stink. When you live for yourself, when you make choices for you, and you consult not God, then that's when things happen that are bad. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. So I want you to get this picture that the shepherd's in charge here, not the sheep. Sheep are dependent upon the shepherd. Notice what he says here. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to see these words here in verse 2. He, he makes me, he leads me, he restores me, and he leads me. That sounds like a shepherd who knows what he's doing. A shepherd that is leading us and we are following him because he knows what's best for us. We live our life looking at the rearview mirror and we know what's behind us, but we don't know what's in front of us in the front windshield. He does. That's why he's forcing us to lie down in the green pastures of blessing. And he's leading us by the quiet waters and he restores our soul. Why does he restore our soul? Let me give you a picture of imagery here. Sheep oftentimes lose their footing, just like we do. Sheep, sometimes their weight isn't distributed rightly. And therefore, a sheep will find itself on its back with everything, like the legs are up here. And the idea of the word restore is to make right again, to make something to its original state. So it was not unusual for a shepherd who was leading sheep for the sheep to go into a pit and be upside down. Get the picture here. So there's only one person that can bring the sheep from upside down to right side up. And it's what he's saying here in verse three. He, the shepherd, restores my soul. He makes our soul right again. For those of us that get flipped upside down in this world with panic and fear 
and situations and depression and discontentment and all kinds of things, then there's only one person that can flip us when we're upside down and put us right side up and restore us. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ because he's my shepherd. People will try to flip you upside down. They don't have that power. But he restores my soul. For those of us in this room who have sinned before and made some bad choices and gone off the cliff, we know what it's like to have our soul restored. We know what it's like to be put in a position of rightness again, to bring to the original state of what something should have been. And we know what it's like for our shepherd to do that. And so that's what David is saying. The Lord has the ability to restore our souls. Now, all of our souls in here have been wounded, right? Oh, oh, you're more spiritual than me. I got it. That's all right. Many of us in this room have wounds in the soul. We've been hurt by people. We've been hurt by situations. We've been hurt by churches. And we, what we do with those wounds is we get flipped upside down and we try to wiggle and write, write ourselves up. And we do everything we can to make something right like it should be, and we don't have the power. So what we do is we internalize those wounds and that guilt and that shame and that unforgiveness, and it keeps us on our back, and, and we're no longer useful in the kingdom of God. And so the Lord who wants to shepherd us wants to come down and flip us right side up you know, the sheep is cast down. You'll see in the Psalms, David say, my soul is cast down. Well, the idea is the sheep were cast down, but the Lord is the one who restores us to our position that we need to be for usefulness for his kingdom. So one of the things you got to do with wounds, I know I've been to counseling and I, and I know a little bit about counseling from school, is if you don't deal with your woundedness and you put yourself in isolation, and you don't open up about your woundedness, then that woundedness becomes a cancer on the inside and it'll keep you on your back. But the Lord who's our shepherd wants to restore us. He wants to put us right again. He wants to put us in a position of usefulness. He wants us to learn how to forgive people in his name. He wants us to learn to trust him and depend upon him. Because sheep can't be trained, but they can learn to trust. And we as sheep learn to trust our shepherd. He restores our soul. That's what the text says. He restores our soul. When you think about that, I think about the time when I had a rent house. In 2009, I thought I would be a genius. And I, I had lived in a house in Tennessee, but we wanted another house. So I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure if I buy this other house, I can go ahead and do that, and then I'll get rid of this house in about a month. No problem. Got enough savings to do that. Well, 2000, 2009, do you remember? I had two houses for three years because I listened to my instincts and my flesh. Oh, yeah, you can do that. You've got enough money. Look at the account. And so what I did was I rented out my house in um, Alcoa, Tennessee, and I was trying to sell my house in Maryville, Tennessee, so I at least had some income with a renter. Well, what I found out is when we moved back in, when we finally sold our house in Maryville, moved back to Alcoa, Tennessee, uh, I, on the, I went with a flashlight at night down in the basement. I've, I've, the person's already moved out. They've already, I've already given them all of their deposit back. Mistake. 
And I had a flashlight and I saw this line about four inches around the bottom of my basement. It just looked like a, a, a white chalk line. And it was everywhere. Then I began to do a little more investigation and I knocked a hole in the sheetrock and I looked and I found mold. What had happened is this pipe that we had where you put the, uh, what do you call that water pipe? You know where you have, no. Uh, the dishwasher, uh, not the dishwasher, the washer. It drains water into a pipe. Okay, but in an old house, it's about an inch and a half pipe. So uh, they had the um, plastic thing that you, you, know, you dispense the water in, but apparently it was overflowing and into the total basement and the person that was renting the house didn't tell me. So what I had to do is call my insurance company. I said, there's no hope on this one, but I'm now the, I'm back in the house and I told them what I think happened. And um, they said, the first thing we need to do is get ServPro out there and we need to rip out all your sheetrock, rip out all your carpets. Sure enough, they ripped it all out. There was mold everywhere. It had been flooded. Here's what I've learned. If you don't get it all out, it will stay underneath the surface for the rest of your life. We have a counseling ministry. Go get some help. I say the same thing to myself. We have trained professionals. Don't get in isolation. The Lord wants to restore your soul. He wants to invest everything into you. But when you have the junk, you got to get it all out in order for him to pour everything in and bring you to that position where you're back on your feet and he can do that. David said he does that. So he restores my soul. Look at the text. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now look at the text very carefully here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, I walk through the valley. You don't pitch a tent in the valley. That's what a lot of people do. They pitch a tent in the valley. It says you've got to walk through the valley. You don't walk in the valley, you walk through the valley. So what happens, there's a, if you think about the picture and the imagery that David is painting, if you have a valley and the sun is gonna hit the valley, it's probably gonna be at high noon because there would be a mountain on either side of the valley. So when you and I come from a mountaintop experience, we oftentimes move into the valley. The problem is people pitch a tent in the valley. And when you pitch a tent in the valley, you miss the perspective that there's a mountaintop on the other side. The valley is just temporary, but it's necessary for us to go through the valley for God to teach us how to trust him in the valley, and this too shall pass, but we gotta stay in the valley and walk through the valley so that we understand that there's a mountaintop on the other side. David said, I walk through the valley. Look at it. Of the shadow of death. He doesn't say the valley of death. He says, the valley of the shadow of death. Now listen carefully. God is bigger than any shadow that you face. He's bigger than that. Shadows, oftentimes we see shadows, but he is the God that is bigger than any shadow that you've ever experienced. And so you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't pitch a tent. You don't have a pity party and just invite yourself. You don't invite others into the party with you. You keep walking through the valley. Now you say, Freeman, how do you do that? Let me tell you, you just take the next step that God tells you. Because here's what a lot of people say. Well, what about step 5,000? Why are you worried about step 5,000? My shepherd leads me one step at a time. 
He gives me the ability to put one foot in front of the other. So when I walk through the valley, some of you are facing cancer. Some of you have faced the loss of a loved one. Some of you are facing insurmountable financial situations in the midst of this pandemic. Listen, just walk through the valley. Know that the Lord has led you not only to the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley as well. So we can trust him. We learn to be dependent upon him. Now, notice what the text says. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to fear no evil. For you are with me. Look at the picture here. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you get the picture of the shepherd? In the first verses, the shepherd is out in front leading the sheep. That's what our shepherd does. He leads us. We listen to his voice. We hear him. We respond to him. We're dependent upon him. But this shepherd that's leading us has some equipment in his hands. It's a rod and it's a staff on either side. So we're almost surrounded, if you get the picture. He's in front. He's beside me. But the issue is not the equipment of the rod and the staff. The issue is the person who holds the equipment. He's my shepherd. He's got me. He's got you. You may be depressed. You may be angry. You may be frustrated. You may be ready to throw in the towel. I want you to remember tonight that the Lord, if he is your shepherd, he's got a rod and a staff. He is surrounding you. He is protecting you. You may not see it because all you see is what's behind you. He sees what's in front of you. So it's the rod and the staff. Look at it. They bring comfort. Then he does something amazing here in verse 5. Stuart told me what time to finish. He's not here. And I can take him any old time. I, I know how old he is. You just try to find Hosea before next week. Look at what the text says. This is a beautiful picture. I want you to see the imagery. He says, not only is our shepherd leading us, he has a rod and a staff on either side, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In this culture, when David would have been living, uh, preparing a meal at a table would be fellowship. It would be, be maybe a long table and people would come to the table and there would be a meal that would be prepared before the people. And so when you get this picture that our shepherd is leading us, the rod and the staff on either side, and there's an enemy we wrestle not against principalities and powers, excuse me, against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of this dark world. So we have an unseen enemy. But in the midst of what God's wanting to do in your life and in my life, he prepares a table and lets the enemy see what he's doing to us. Do you, can you imagine that? Do you have any people that hate you, dislike you? Guess what God does? He's so amazing as our shepherd. He prepares a blessing at the table. We can smell the food that he's preparing at the table and he lets our enemies see what he's doing because we belong to a shepherd who leads us, has a rod and a staff on either side. He's so incredible. He's so powerful. He prepares a table before me in their presence. I've had people in my life tell me I'd never amount to anything. And you know what? I'm thankful I never listened to their voice. And I'm not saying I've amounted to anything, but I can tell you this, God's done something in my life that's kind of unexplainable, and I give him all the praise. 
And so whatever table he wants to prepare before me so that I can get the blessing that he has for me, I like it when he says, my, your enemies are watching. And that's what would happen. See, the coyotes and the, uh, the different animals that would come around and try to, you know, the shepherd's leading the sheep. He's got a rod and a staff. They would try to attack, but, but, but they couldn't attack because the shepherd would actually have under shepherds that would watch as well. So it's a beautiful picture of the protection of God. Have you ever been to Benihana before? They prepare a table before you. You got a guy that's a chef. He's got a bunch of knives. He starts flipping them and dicing them and they bring out um, maybe the main entree. It's, it's maybe the main entree and they kind of show you that and then they, they kind of slap a little bit and cut that a little bit and then they set it to the side and then they've got some vegetables over here. But they're preparing that table before you because you're fixing to receive the blessing of that which is made before you. So if you get this picture of our shepherd, our shepherd loves us so much that he wants to bless us at the table and the enemies that try to keep him from blessing us can't do anything because he's in control and he's in charge. It's a beautiful thing. So he, prepared, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. This is all about a shepherd. And he says, my cup runs over. Now we'll shut down here on verse six. Surely, surely goodness and mercy, watch this, shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you have a shepherd who's leading. I want you to get the imagery. He leads me. He makes me lie down. Uh, you see that in verses one and two. Then you see a rod and a staff. So he leads me. There's a rod and a staff. But watch this. Goodness and mercy are on the rear. That's what the text says. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So I've got a shepherd. Look at this picture. He's leading me. Even in this moment, he's leading me. He's got me a rod and a staff. His, his, his equipment in his hands are good enough to surround me. And then goodness and mercy. If I get panicky, if I get fearful, if I get worried, if I start having a breakdown, goodness and mercy are just giving me a nudge from the rear. All the days of my life. Do you understand how powerful that is? God loves us. He's incredible. Jesus is our chief shepherd and he loves us. And so goodness and mercy are following me. Why does he use the word follow? The word follow in the language here means to chase after, which means to pursue. It means to hunt down, to run down. See, you thought that little orange dot on your iPhone was tracking you. you you've read a lot. You, you people, you people read a lot, you Google stuff. And you say, that orange dot, they're tracking me, that's the government. Listen to me, you got a savior and you've got a shepherd that is tracking you with goodness and mercy that's gonna follow you all the days of your life. Do you understand that? Think about it. He's leading me, a rod and a staff. I'm surrounded and then goodness and mercy has given me a push from the rear. How do I keep going? Just because of that. How do you keep going? Just because of that. It's not because I shepherd. It's because I have a shepherd. Goodness and mercy. Goodness. It's a, it's a word that, it's got so much in it. It's got grace and forgiveness, faithfulness. The word mercy 
the loving kindness of God, the covenantal commitment to God, that God will always shepherd me. He's not ever gonna not shepherd me once he's, I'm his, his child. He's gonna continue to shepherd me. It's a covenantal commitment by him. So it's not me keeping the commitment, it's him keeping the commitment he made to me. And therefore, when I walk in this life, I can do the most spiritual thing, and that is rest. I don't have to worry about the world. I can turn off Fox News, Newsmax, ABC, CNN, NBC, it doesn't matter. Now listen, we need to maximize what God says to us as our shepherd and minimize all the other distractions. That's what we need to do. That's what this text tells me. You just stay focused on me. Look at the text. Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The idea of that is, I shall return, I shall dwell. So when it's talking about this, this kind of this heavenly language, if you will, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because goodness and mercy is giving me a push from the rear and goodness and mercy is pursuing me and chasing me and running after me and tracking me all the days of my life, which means this, I'm gonna make it all the way home. There's no dead end for me. There's no dead end for you if you know Jesus Christ. I'm going all the way home to the house of God. Now listen to me. You say, well, the dwelling and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I shall return home. He's got me now. He's got me then. He's got me right now. He's got me then. He's got me in my heavenly home. He's got me here on this earth. There's no way that he's going to let loose of me because of his loving kindness, because of his mercy, because of his covenantal commitment to me. So I'm going all the way home. Not only am I going to the house of God, but I'm going to the God of the house. That's really what the text means. I'm going home to be with God forever and forever and forever. He's got me now. He's got me then. He'll have me there. He has me here. There is nothing that can take away the shepherding power of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes a psalm for people who live in panic. Are you fearful at all of anything? When you get in bed at night, do you kind of have these moments where you're, you just kind of go, oh man, I think I'm fearful. I do. You know what I do? I confess what I'm not. I'm not God. Two things. One, you're not God. And number two, he is. Think about that. So when I have panic and fear that grips my heart, I just release it to the Lord and say, God, you shepherd me. You're taking me all the way home. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about yesterday. I don't have to worry about days in the future. I can live a, a, a today-sized, compartmentalized life and as a sheep, be totally dependent upon my shepherd. That's what I can do. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just rest. Would you do that tonight? Would you just rest in him? If you've never trusted him as your savior, I'll tell you how you do it. You become broken over your sin. You just say, God, I am a mess. I need you. I can't control anything. And yet I've been trying to control my life from beginning to end and tonight, I just release my life 
into your hands and bow before Jesus and say, Jesus, I repent, I turn. Would you make me what I could never make of myself? And he'll do it. Just turn to him. And then you'll have goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. And there's no dead end roads because we're going home. Let's pray. Father, we come. This psalm is so powerful. Your word is just powerful. So thank you for the beauty of this text. The imagery that David paints of a shepherd who leads us, who makes us, who follows us, who pursues us all the way home. Thank you for the beauty of this text. I pray that we could maybe even memorize this text because we live in a panic-filled world and our tendency is to go to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to get a message and that's just people that usually are really, really mad at themselves and the world. So I pray we would do like the children of Israel and we'd get manna from heaven and we'd eat from you so that we could be filled with you so that we wouldn't panic in this world because sheep that are full realize they have everything that they want in their shepherd. So speak to our hearts. Continue to bless our church and our family. We love you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.